Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Kuat Racks. Kuat makes industry-changing products, including kayak, bike, and truck bed racks for the Ozark Outdoorsman, manufactured with the utmost care to quality, style, and longevity. With their lifetime, no worries, limited warranty, they stand behind their products like no other company. Most importantly, Kuat gives back to the community and makes positive impacts on the environment by partnering with grassroots groups. Through their Future Forest Initiative, they plant one tree for conservation with each rack sold. Kuat is based in Springfield, Missouri, and proudly supports all things Ozarks, including this show. Visit kuat.com for more information. I don't think anyone will ever truly figure out bears here. There's guys that can kill them intentionally, but, you know, there's a few things that they know about them. But there's so many different things. Yeah. I mean, they have bears that all of a sudden just go several states that they have collared, you know, or you oh, know, just whatever. like completely go out of range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll just, like, do something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you see people telling you exactly how you should do it on social or something, it's like, no, you need to learn how to think, not the rules. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. We are here in Cave Springs, Arkansas at the house of my good buddy, Kyle Plunkett. How's it going? It's good. Glad to have you guys. Thanks for having us over. We have got another, as always, great guest for y'all on this episode. And today, as you're hearing this, is the start of bear season. I hope somebody's listening to this as they're skinning out a bear. I hope they saved it. They saw who it was. They saw the episode title, and they're like, oh, I'm waiting until oh, I get this bear It'll probably truck. be me. I'll probably wait and do it as I'm skinning the bear. You'll have to see those pictures. Yeah, yeah. That, that would make for the perfect time. I, or I'm hoping they're listening to this on the way to the stand that morning mm-hmm. before they, they climb up midday mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm. chase that bear just to get him amped up, get the juices flowing. So we have just about the perfect guest for a day like today. That's right. Who we got, Kyle? And that is Colby Moorhead, the owner of Bear Hunting Magazine. Yep. What's going on, man? A lot of baiting. A lot of baiting? Yeah. You've been a lot busy. of heavy packs. You've been busy lately. I know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm packing in a heavy, packing out light right now, hoping to reverse it. Dude, <laughs> I, you've been showing pictures before we started going. Just mm-hmm. You've been busy, man, in the woods. And you've got a couple sites going right now or just, just one? If I had to, I'd, I would die. <laughs> 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 no, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket this year. And uh, it looks like it's going to pay off. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. A lot of promise. Lot By of the hope. trail cam pictures, it's definitely going to look like it's going to pay off. I mean, yeah. you've got real so good. many bears on that on that camera right now. I'm having to chase them off, man. Just today. <laughs> yeah, so you went in what? What did your day look like today? I think I, I went and picked up some some bait, and then I got out there, and I had a buddy with me, and we go down, and, you know, he uh, he was really wanting to see a bear, so before we went down, 
with the and made a bunch of noise and everything. We kind of snuck, and you have to go down into this to this bench. You know, you have to go down, and we probably drop like, I mean, it's probably like a hundred vertical feet, would be my guess, over like a super short space and time. Yeah. So it's just a constant down, but we go to the edge and look down and. He sees a bear. It's like, all right. He did it. Yeah. Cross it off the list. Yeah. And then we go back to the truck and get everything going. And then we go back down there and I'm, I have to push this bear off the bait. I mean, I'll probably get within like 20 yards before he moves a muscle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Later he was telling his wife and my wife, like, Kobe's a maniac. <laughs> He's like, why did you know that thing wouldn't come at you? And I was like, I've killed more bears than he has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, they're scaredy cats for the most part. So yeah, that's cool, man. It's a cool video. You got it all on video, and you're yeah. like, you're legit walking straight up to this bear, like, hey, go away. Talking to him later, I I called him a pretty boy and just attacked his manhood. <laughs> that what made him finally run. That's when yeah. he left. I was like, get out of here, pretty boy. <laughs> I was like, I'm not putting up with this crap. Fine. I'll either fight you or leave. I guess I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever you're growing up, you're always trying to heighten your senses and just work on like identifying bears. And so I'm like, all right, not a shooter. Yeah. And it's like boar or sal. And I, and I just like, it was a boar. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've cool. got a couple of rapid fire questions to kick us off. This is something we've, we've been doing for a little bit. Been doing a little bit more just to kind of, yeah. you know, open it up, get to know you a little bit. It's our first time do you meeting a little, you. Do you get a lot of deer in headlight stares on rapid fire or are they not that? Uh, that typically not as yet. rapid fire as we Okay, make okay. them out to be. You can pretend like they are, and Daniel can edit them to be faster. There you go. Daniel, I need to take. I need you to take two point five seven seconds out of space <laughs> out of. <laughs> make them quick. So I've got some rapid fire, non rapid fire questions for you. All right. You ready for this? Yeah, I need it. Turkeys or ducks? Turkeys right now. Growing up, ducks. Okay, hundred percent. East Texas is where I grew up, and we were we were duck hunting hard. Uh, smallmouth or trout? Haven't caught a trout yet. Haven't caught a trout yet. No. Have you tried to catch a trout? Dude, we need to go fishing. Yeah, I'll I, take you fishing. Take here's you the thing. Hunting. I just I just got into fly fishing. Uh, it was actually during COVID, but I don't blame COVID for it. <laughs> but uh, I got into fly fishing up here, and I've just been catching panfish and stuff out in, like, national forests mm-hmm. around, like, yeah. you know, just devil's den and stuff. I haven't been into cold water. Tried to go to Yellowstone and fish up there on the Green River and uh, got skunked. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and so Dang. I'm I'm ready to go after my my first uh, my first trout, but it just hasn't happened. Man, I got fun. a new rod and everything. Oh, oh I just know when you want to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll take you. Got to break it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's one of those. We'll, uh, we'll get you on a big trout. Vespers, the moonshine rod. Ooh, yeah, yeah, those are nice. Yeah. So smallmouth's your answer? I'm gonna say smallmouth. Okay. I, like I, I would because rather, you I would I would rather say perch because that's what I because <laughs> that's what you're catching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I like yeah. that. They're fun. They're, they're colorful awesome. and yeah. They fight if you want to like learn how to catch fish on a fly rod, you go after the panfish and the perch. Now hold I mean, on, now hold on. We got to talk about perch. I think you should say like woolly bugger or popper. That's <laughs> true too. A, a perch is that's a Texas thing because in the Ozark that's a that's a sunfish or it's a long ear sunfish or it's a green sunfish. There's that. Yeah, it's depending on where you're from. You call it different stuff. You know, there's certain things that I'm just going to bring from Texas and be okay with. It. <laughs> <laughs> you got to own where you're from, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing we let you on this podcast, here, Colby. <laughs> I'm a transplant. <laughs> yeah, it's got, I got that true Ozark and blood running through me. You say Texas, and it kind of bristles a little bit. <laughs> you've been here long enough. Yeah, sure. you've been here long enough. Absolutely. <laughs> mountains or piney woods? Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, mountains or piney woods? Mountains. Mountains. I like it. Good answer. What about um? Let's just say I'm never planning on moving from here. Okay. I don't miss Texas. 
It's good. We can be friends. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> but I did buy my lifetime license there before I left because I still want to dip That's my toe in. Pretty sweet. From okay. time to time. We're I get all of our that. Texas listeners going to hate us. These guys. <laughs> I graduated from Texas A and M. I'm always going to root for Texas A and M. So. All right, we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I go to things, I don't do the hog call. Okay. There's what lines. about uh, what about raccoons or squirrels? Oh man, I'm gonna say squirrels. I got my I got squirrel dogs now, but coon hunting. I mean, growing up, we ran a bunch of uh, we ran a bunch of hounds, and mm-hmm. we coon hunted and hog hunted with hounds like from as far back as I can remember. So coon hunting has a special place in my heart, but I'm really enjoying like getting around squirrel dogs and, and uh, running them, especially it's like a nice cool down after, after hunting hard in the, in the winter. So mm-hmm. like typically we'll run, you know, squirrel palooza mm-hmm. and uh, we'll do that like uh, January and February. So That's I'm going to say squirrels now. There you go. That's fun. All, All right. right. Final one. White tail. Or black bear, <laughs> black bear, black bear. If I'm gonna choose, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a little obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always have a special place for white tail. I'm oh, gonna, absolutely. I'm gonna do both. But I mean, I put a lot of work into the bear things and usually finish it out quick and do a lot of spring hunts and and I try to save space for for white tail. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't get it done on uh, on bait early. I've got another hunt up in Maine, and once I get back from that, I'm going to be pounding the mountains and just whatever I see. Like, yeah. I'll hunt whitetail and bear at the same time. Mm-hmm. It like makes that. sense for our, this area in Arkansas. You kind of got to get them over bait. Yeah. And if that if that doesn't happen, it's, yeah, you'll go whitetail hunting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Today's opening day of bear season. We want to talk with you about bear hunting, obviously, going to some tactics. But also, I, I just kind of given that today is the start of the, the season, maybe we go into a little bit, like, if you haven't been doing some baiting and stuff like that. Or if you're up in the Missouri Ozarks or somewhere where you can't bait, like what are some things you can do mm-hmm. um, as well as just kind of like the traditional tactics. So yeah, that's where I want to go. Before we go there, we always start with where are you from? How'd you get into bear hunting? Kind of what's your, your upbringing? You mentioned East Texas. Tell me the story. How'd you get here? To give a little context, my dad, whenever I was born, was a commercial fisherman. And uh, he also did some trapping, you know, he was in the fur trade. So my last... Uh, I think it's cool because the last payment on whenever I was born to the hospital came from a bobcat my dad got. And so, like, they needed $60. He got 86 for it. That's cool. Yeah. And so, basically, I mean, like, I grew up on the river and Sulphur River, specifically in East Texas. And uh, and just, I mean, just running those things, you know. And some people I've heard call my dad like the Daniel Boone of East Texas. You know? Okay. He just, just eat, live, breathe it, like it's saturated and permeated into our lives. So I really haven't known another life outside of just things inside of the outdoors. And uh, I I became friends with, or I met Clay back in 2007 before the magazine or anything. And when he took over the magazine, I just, I subscribed just to, uh, just to help him out. You know, I was just like, I just want to support buddy. And so I would, I got him for years and just like, just had a stack going. Yeah. Never read them. Stacking them up. <laughs> yeah. And then he started his YouTube channel. And I was like, huh, I might actually want to hunt a bear. Because the thing is, is, you know, we all have this, these cultural norms that get implanted in us and, you know, wherever we grow up. And inside of my space, we ate everything that we, we harvested or ate with the exception of a coyote, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, 
and that was just predator control. Yeah. And I didn't really have a desire to go go hunt a predator, you know, just for for fun, you know. And I had no connection to bears because we didn't have any bears in East Texas. And so whenever I saw Clay doing that and started to learn more about bears and bear hunting, I was like, man, there's something special about them. I, I would mm-hmm. like to experience that. And so I ended up hunting with Clay in Canada in 2018. And uh, after that experience, I mean, I was hooked. And I think there's something special about being on a really good baited bear hunt because you get to just see them in a different way. I think that that connected me deeper um, inside of just respecting them as just individual critters and not, you know, just seeing them as a whole, just seeing like Mm -hmm. the individuality. Like I've never seen something come in and you just see how you can see a different personality inside of each one. Right. And I would even see some, I'm like, man, I'm not shooting that. Like, hmm. I was like, the thing's too cool. You took a liking to him. You know, it was like, he came, he stood up at the base of the stand, he looked at us and just settled down. He's like, he knew we were there and he's yeah. like, we're bros, <laughs> you know? He's my people. Like, I'm yeah. not messing with you. He's my fellow bears. Yeah, yeah. He's like, thanks for the abundance. And then, uh, but then a, a bigger bear came in and Clay, it, it was great because Clay sat with me the first day and he, uh, because otherwise I probably would have just shot the first thing. You sure, know? yeah. And so he was like, he's like, you know, those are really good bears, but up here, that's not what you're after. And I think that's the thing that's been really valuable is you hunt the bears in the region that you're that you're after, mm-hmm. you know, and you look at the method of take, like, uh, we're not as picky on a spot and stalk hunt, you know. It's like you you can't be selective. That's why bait comes in and is such an important factor is because you can be selective, you can – you can go after the older, bigger age class males. And, uh, but on a spot and stock, it's like seeing a bear is a big victory. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, you kind of just take what you get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you think he might still have some milk on his lip, obviously you, you shouldn't shoot that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't, and you don't want to like make a pack out that easy. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, consider where you're at. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was really good just like, there was already like some context that was being laid down and uh and just hunting things like regionally because i have i hadn't really even traveled to hunt so i mean it was like first bear hunt out of the country big bears like world-class area i mean like i dove off the deep end yeah that's a big trip to just go head first into i have this running joke that anything in my life is just trial by fire (laughs) like (laughs) and once it happens it's like it's just like a deep end a deep dive um but anyways, uh, a larger bear came in and pushed those bears off, and and I ended up taking that one. I mean, he was a over a three hundred fifty pound bear. You know, I started out like, you know, hardcore, and still to this day, like I've only killed bears with bows. Like I'm still looking for my first like rifle. You know, like Montana across the mountain, man, that I, kind of deal. Well, I've been on a couple of those hunts, and uh, yeah, maybe Montana, but I really fell in love with Oregon mm. this uh, this fall going up there, and I think. I'll probably go back out there in the spring if I can draw a tag. Uh, Oregon's a special place. Like, oh, I believe it. Yeah, I've I didn't. Been up that way. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that stuff later, but it's a special state. Yeah, this is the Ozark podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like being in such a cool place like the Ozarks, coming from East Texas, I've learned to appreciate new areas and yeah. what they have to offer. Oh yeah, for sure. But I will say the Ozarks is home. Like I don't plan on ever leaving, but you know, I'll vacation elsewhere. <laughs> so you dove into bear hunting. Yeah, so dove into bear hunting. And then uh, 
man, I just felt like a change. Like I was in the IT sphere in, in Dallas and, and, uh, man, I just, I wanted to be a part of what Clay was doing and help with the business. And, and I had a lot, a, a large group of friends up here too. And I, uh, I just needed a change, not needed, but I just felt like it was the right move. Sure. So sold the house, moved up and just started like working for the magazine, helping Clay. And then bears just became my world, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really how I got deep inside of it. It was just one of those things I just, I hunted them and it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And one of the other big factors was the next night after I killed my bear, I killed it on the first night, I became ca- uh, Clay's cameraman that night. And we had just like an unbelievable um, uh, hunt that evening. And we were hunting off of the ground in a blind versus being up in a tree. Oh, so that's cool. I was like... You're like... Right there with him. Oh man, I was what I was looking at him to feel understand how I should feel. It's like when I try something new, it's like I don't know how I should feel. <laughs> how do you feel? Is how do you he, feel he panicking? About this? Are no, you scared? Oh, okay. I guess I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's real. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, we actually had a, a bear come and like it was from here to the just the other side of the table here, and it was coming under some brush and looking up at me, and it had been going back and forth and checking us out several times. That's like four feet away. Yeah, and then Clay was like, he pulled the bear spray out, and he's like, that's the first time I've ever pulled bear spray out. And so it's that whole trial by fire, like, I'm getting everything right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at that hunt sealed the deal, and I knew they were special, and it was something that I, I wanted to continue pursuing even if i hadn't moved to to arkansas yeah you know yeah there's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the ozarks but there's two things i know for sure one it's that turkeys have really good eyesight so your camo matters canis makes an incredible turkey camo it is comfortable it is breathable blends into the background like no other it is the perfect camouflage for those long sits back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the Nunavut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie to the alpine pant with built-in knee pads, make sure you have Canis on you for this upcoming turkey season. Use our discount code OZARK for 15% off website or in-store, and good luck this turkey season. Sadly, hunting season in the Ozarks has come to an end. But in these hills and hollers, it's always been the off-season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world, with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, feral hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code Ozark Air for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. We've uh, we've asked quite a few people, I think, who are professional guides or have made their living in the outdoor world. And I think you're the first person we've we've talked to who 
correct me if I'm wrong here, Kyle. Yeah. But went from Dallas IT into, like, I mean, such a dramatic switch to, yeah. this is changing my life. This is epic. I want to be a part of this. Yeah, I don't yeah. care what it does. We're in. Man, like, when, that's, that's when, cool. you, when you know that you're supposed to do something, you just sell everything you got and just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I moved here before my house sold. I was like, I know this is what I need to do. And so it's like, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> you man, know? that's cool. That it's cool. easier when you're not married at the time. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. You know. Yeah, it's always a little bit easier. Yeah. So so you, you moved up here. You started kicking things off and, and helping Clay. Mm-hmm. At, at what point did kind of Bear Hunting Magazine become yours? Uh, <laughs> so it was it was a little while after Clay started Meat Eater or started working for Meat Eater. Um, it was just clear that things were going to really take off as far as like the requirement of time for him. And uh, we tried to do it, you know, together for a while. And it was just clear that it's like, man, this is going to require a lot of his time. So we got to make a shift. And he was like, you should buy the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was kind of bittersweet because it was one of those things of I'm moving here to build something with somebody else. And it's like, oh, man, I got to do this solo now. I mean, yeah. like, uh, you know, he he helped out a lot and, like, steered things. And, you know, I still, you know, get um, counsel from him. You sure. Know, here and yeah. there, but uh, it was just clear that that's that was the trajectory for both of our lives, and uh, and then a week in, we I bought the magazine, and then a week and a half later I got married. <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, let's just take on everything at once. Here we go, trial by fire. <laughs> like, yeah, but no, it was a it was a great time, and owning the magazine has been just like a crazy like life switch. Like even from just working in it to to owning, it's been a big a big shift, and it really like. You know, whenever you go into this realm of like entrepreneurship or owning a business, mm-hmm. it really like forges something different inside of you that, I mean, it's not, it's not easy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by any means. And uh, all of a sudden you have to be really well-rounded in a lot of different things. You know, sure. you have to be a jack of all trades for, to make a small business work. Yeah, man. So, you, you wear a lot of hats when you're the yeah. only guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So are you are you the only guy? Are there are there other people kind of doing what you did for Clay, coming and and helping, or it's, how's it work? It's mainly me. I got a I got a buddy that that helps out um, some. He doesn't work a lot of hours, but it takes a lot off of my plate. You know, handling a lot of the administrative stuff. Yeah, um, and that's just something that's come in into play. You know, more recently. I mean, but like I design all the magazines. Like you know, I do all the everything you you're know, out in the field getting the pictures and yeah yeah i'm uh it's 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 everything yeah that's <laughs> awesome man that's cool yeah, you're yeah. interviewing the guests and having them write articles and all that kind of stuff uh, well we take a lot of submissions and so that's the word i was looking for yeah <laughs> we we run a lot of uh subscriber submissions you know okay. if they have a cool article or a cool story or i mean um and so a lot of it is just the average Joe. And I think it's cool because it's like everyone has the opportunity to have their voice like heard or their story. Mm-hmm. We also have freelance writers that that will submit a few articles throughout the year. And then we have our normal columnists that that really, you know, carry a big portion of the magazine and they're in, in every single one of them. Right. Yeah, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. So today's opening day, let's get into some of the stuff that Obviously, you were talking about you're baiting right now and um, and putting time in. It's hot. It's sweaty. I know you're working hard. You're, Boy, that hundred degree middle of the day weather was rough last week. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been crazy. So, yeah. what are they doing? What are bears thinking right now? I mean, they're just thinking what they're always thinking: food and water. 
if you can find secluded water that's like undercover, just like you would with a lot of whitetails, you know, where you can get away from a main population and just get into, you know, just a denser area that, that has some water, you know, put a camera on that and you'll probably have a bear, you know, within a week or so, you know, depending on how close the other, the other spot is. And they just love like treacherous terrain. It's really bizarre. Like I find more bears inside of that area. And, uh, it's just interesting. Like, you know, one of the things that came up in the, I was talking to Myron Means and he, the large carnivore, carnivore biologist in Arkansas, and he was talking about even the difference between like the Ozark bears and then the bears down in the Gulf and the bears in the Washita's. Like they're so, they're so specialized for the regions that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of hard to, to nail down everything and fully encompass what you should do. But I think really just focus on the food and the water and the cover. You know, every trail cam photo I have right now or video of uh, bears on bait, they're all huffing and puffing like they're not loving this hot weather. Yeah. They're, they're feeling it. And uh, so, I mean, they're staying close to water. A lot of times if you put a camera on a water hole, you'll even find bears getting in there and, you know, I put a, one on my Instagram the other day of a bear coming in, just laying in. Uh, it was an elk wallow. I left a camera behind in Oregon just to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came, got in the mud, got up and sh- shook off like a Labrador. <laughs> you just know? trying to cool off. Just cool trying off. to cool off, man. Wow. And so, I mean, for a, lar- a large portion of it, you can kind of think of like what would make you comfortable, hmm. you know. And then they they they're such scavengers, like they just go through the – through the forest and most of the time just in the woods if you're looking for bear sign you look for like dug up yellow jacket nests and they love to dig those up and eat the larva um and then just like out west they called it bear scratch but they'll uh dig into logs rotting logs and get the insects out like they the, they'll eat a lot more insect protein than they will like carrion you know they they won't eat a lot i mean they'll they'll go after fawns during the early season when they're easy to catch, but they're not going to chase an older fawn. Right, they're not going to chase an older fawn that's almost a year old Yeah, in the the fall. Yeah, so, um, you know, they're after the easy, easy scavenge food. And then before the acorns drop, you can even find them sometimes up in the the canopy. You know, they'll be up on a branch and eating an acorn. It's pretty crazy how comfortable they are in a tree. Hmm. Like, I've hunted, last year I was on a hunt, and it was it was one of those like awesome days where bears were just everywhere. Yeah, and I saw a bear leave the bait, walk out like 150 yards, and then it climbed a tree and got on a branch and just slept on a low branch. No way. Yeah, and this slept wasn't up in the tree. this wasn't a cub like it it wasn't a baby, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but I mean, they're just at home in the environments that they're in. Yeah, and uh, it's cool. I mean, I think the best approach if you're hunting public land. If you can't find like a water source that's really like, um, that's really locked down, and you know the closest one for a ways, uh, you just got to invest a lot of boot leather, mm-hmm. you know, and find where you're. I mean, you're looking for if if you come into an area, especially once the hard masses drop, um, or like some food source that's concent- concentrated, when you can start finding a lot of. Uh, bear scat is kind of the king of bear sign okay and so you just pound it 
you know, just pound the ground. And once you find good, fresh bear sign, a lot of it, you just pretty much just sit down, just yeah. still hunt, yeah. you know. Are they pretty pretty habitual creatures in, in in the way that they roll through an area? Like if you find scat in, in one spot, are they pretty likely to come through there once a week or? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. No, they range. Okay. They range, especially the, especially the boars. Yeah. You know, especially in that like that June timeline whenever they're in their rut, you know, that June, July kind of timeline. Like they go from the rut to eating calves and fawns, you mm. know. Yeah. Yeah. What about like uh, group behavior? Are they kind of hanging out with each other right now? Or, are boars off on their own doing their own thing? No. I saw a few pictures you were showing us yeah. and you had four or five on the camera yeah. at once. Uh, that's the same That's the same concept as if you saw a bunch of brown bears on a salmon stream. You know, like they're going to go where food's plentiful and when food's plentiful, they'll tolerate each other more. Gotcha. You know. But if it wasn't for the bait right there, they probably wouldn't. No. They wouldn't be hanging out. No, no, no. If you see bears together, it's going to be a silent cubs. Okay. You know, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. And when you think sure. you have black bears figured out, they prove you wrong. Yeah. Like they can be very frustrating critters. Yeah. If you try to figure them out. I mean, there's stories of bears even like, like in a red gummy bear and not an orange gummy bear. Oh, gosh. You know, like they're, <laughs> they're selective and you might have another one. Like, and if you go, like up in Canada, they use a lot of beaver and like carcasses and bears will go for that and they won't touch it down here. So like hmm. you can't say, and that's the thing is whenever you see people telling you exactly how you should do it on on social or something, it's like, no, you need to learn how to think, not not the rules, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about about hunting is once you like shift to where you're th- you're trying to figure out how to think and not figuring out rules. Mm-hmm. I think that that sets you up uh, really well. I remember I used to teach guys how to drive forklifts when I was in college. And uh, whenever uh, I was doing that, I wasn't trying to tell them exactly how to do everything. I was trying to teach them how to think, you know, because like each scenario is going to change. And so learn how to think. Yeah. You know, think about think about that and not oh, here's a hickory tree I should sit on right here. Here's mm-hmm. an, you know, there's white oaks. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Just because that white oak's dropping acorns doesn't mean that's where they're going to be, you know. No, that makes sense. Getting into fall and where we're at today with with opening day, you talked a little bit about, you know, we kind of mentioned if if you're hunting over bait, that's easier. Mm-hmm. What if you're you're just hearing this today and you're like, yeah, but I'm hyped. Like I want to try to like mm-hmm. hunt a bear. What can you do right now? Can you start baiting now if you're in somewhere that you can bait or is it too late? Or if you're not going to bait, what's your plan of action? And it's kind of hard because, I mean, you could start baiting, but especially in zone one, there's a quota. I think it's like 400 bears this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year, if there was ever a year for the quota to be met, it would be this year. We have a much earlier season and uh, the bears are, man, the bears are fat too. <laughs> like, so I went on a a I'm jumping down rabbit holes. Uh, <laughs> but I went on a, a den study um, this this last year, and uh, it was cool to see how fat the bears were from last year's. Just every tree dropped its acorns at once, <laughs> you know. Right. And they were all just fat, fat, fat. And, I mean, this was sow with cubs, you know. And uh, so I'm seeing a lot of fat bears now. It's <laughs> a good thing. And they're just going to get fatter. And this is the year to do it because bear fat is amazing, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think uh, if you really wanted to hunt, you could try to bait. 
I would say that you need to use a commercial scent. We always use Northwoods. We like there's one that's like a butterscotch uh, smell um, called a uh, Gold Rush, and we mix that with fryer grease, and then we pour it on whatever bait that we put out. Okay. And uh, I actually talked to someone the other day. They usually open up their baits with Northwoods, and they had they had ran out, and they didn't have any this season uh, yet. And so I gave them a little bit of mine. They said they they had had that bait out for four days and no activity whatsoever. And then they put that Northwoods on there. Within 12 hours, there was bears on it, you know. And I think that's one of the – if you're going to open up a bait, you don't really need to – don't use commercial scents because they're so much sweeter to, like, the bears will key in on that sweet smell, Yeah, you know. And if the acorns are dropped, you're pretty much out of luck. Like, if the hard masses hit the ground, like, there's no – don't try to compete with natural foods. Right. They just got food everywhere. You're just wasting your money. I mean, like, you – you could get a smaller bear coming in or you might get a bear just passing, but you're, it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, you can spend a lot of money on bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. You can. Especially yeah. if you're like you and starting early and yeah. <laughs> trying to get a bunch of bears. Let me tell you, next year if I hunt this same spot, if I get permission again, it's going to be, boy, it's going to be like a 10-day bait. I'm not huffing it up and down the mountain if I don't have to. <laughs> I mean, because they were hitting it like right after. I mean, right away, they yeah. hit it hard. The hard mass last year, I guess, dropped super early, right? Yeah, because last year was supposed to be the year of promise, man. Like, it, didn't, it didn't happen. No, no. So this year, do you think, even with an earlier season, we've had a lot of rain. I don't know what that does. But well, last year... And last year was the drought. We were talking with Myron, out, too, and was. he was saying the drought made everything drop all at once because uh-huh. those trees just didn't hold on to their their, their crop. So this year, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking better. They were stressed. Had plenty of rain. I feel hopefully. like it, yeah. Okay. I mean, the same pond that I got pictures of bears on la- this time last year was... And just, I mean, it was the size of a kiddie pool, just about a little more, mm-hmm. and it's pretty full this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, seems like it may hold off. Seems like baiting's a good idea. Yeah, which may even mean if you're listening to this today and you're thinking, I, want, mm-hmm. I may want to do this, like give mm-hmm. it a shot, give it a shot, other, go for a week, see yeah. what happens. Yeah, the other thing is, uh, we there was an article several years back talking about ladies great, and it was a guy that baited bears uh, more during the muzzleloader season or like a little after. Like he he started baiting bears after most of the acorns were we're eating up and so like there is an opportunity to try a later bait yeah and uh give it a shot just kind of you got to take into account what's going on around you mm-hmm. if the acorns are still on the ground mm-hmm. you're competing with that natural resource yeah and you don't have to do a full all-out bait like you could just go test it out mm-hmm. you know i did that last year in oklahoma where i just went and put some corn out and put some sand on it and bears hit it fast and mm-hmm. so we were like, oh, let's target this area. Mm-hmm. And we had bears on it. It was just, it was a bad scenario because they ran a 5K down the leash road the opening weekend. And so, and we had, it's like the animals knew it. Like the closer we got to the date, all of a sudden, less and less critters. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, <laughs> bears roam, like, sure, the bears left, but the deer left too, <laughs> you know. Have like a five k ruining your hunting season. (laughs) Yeah, running a five k down the lease road. That was the sign on the door saying, "Not again." Yeah. (laughs) Gear wise, if you're Mm -hmm. if you're going to hunt bears, what do you kind of keep in your pack, or what's some stuff Mm -hmm. that you want to have if you're going to go down this road and go hunting bears? I mean, just whatever whitetail, whatever you'd hunt whitetail with, you know. I mean, I just think a good pair of boots that you can put time and effort into, like 
pounding and scouting, mm-hmm. you know, because you want to find, it's not like a deer where you find, you find sign and you can just set up on a trail and within a couple of days or if set up on a scrape, do three day all sits and then you'd be in the chips, you know, uh, bears just don't act like that. You know, they're always after where the food is like the new spot. Um, they're going to go where the heaviest concentration of caloric density is, Mm, you know? So I I mean, I would just say a good pair of boots. Yeah. You know, and Onyx, like man, Onyx is a great tool. You know, if you put it in topo mode, you can see it'll highlight the, uh, the water holes that you wouldn't see just looking at the satellite image. Mm -hmm. And that's how I find a lot of stuff. You know, it's just like, if I'm going into a new area, I'll put it in topo mode and I'll go put a pin, drop a pin on every water hole and just put a droplet above it or, or whatever I put on it, I'll turn it like a light blue color. Yeah. And that way when I go over to the satellite mode or that hybrid mode, I'll go in and, and have a more complete picture of like, all right, so where are they going to be getting water? Where are they probably going to be like laid up during the day? And uh, I mean, I don't think anyone will ever truly figure out bears here. There's guys that can kill them intentionally, but, you know, there's a few things that they know about them. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different things uh, on the individual bear. It's just hard to, like, tie them down. Yeah. I mean, they have bears that all of a sudden just go several states that they have collards, you know, or, you oh, know, just whatever. like completely go out of range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll just, like, do something crazy. <laughs> you know? You're like, yeah, we can't explain that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you, are you shooting a, uh, a fixed broadhead or an expandable broadhead? I've never used an expandable I, uh, I, I kind of, I like the idea of less movable parts, mm-hmm. you know, even in vehicles in the past, whenever like I would have like lean times, but need a vehicle. If, if I couldn't afford to fix it, I was like, let me just get the least amount of things that can break. Right. And so <laughs> I know that expandables give you the ability to maybe have a better flight path. A lot of guys really like, like them, but uh, you know. I would say that fixed blades are going to be a better option, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, also, I mean, like, there's always so many things, variables on getting a broadhead to open that's an expandable. And I feel like you also, I, I'd like to have something that cuts on contact. I don't want something to take some, you know, when it starts going in, if it doesn't cut on contact, you're losing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. And with bears, some we like to. coming out of it. Yeah. Somewhere. And with bears, we really like to prioritize two holes because they don't bleed hardly, you know. And so uh, a good broadhead is, uh, I just, I like fixed, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, I mean, right now I'm shooting, uh, I just, I shot my last bear with iron wheels when they're single bevels with the 100 grain. Is that bleeders. what you have, Kyle? I have a kudu point and day six day six i, oh, okay. I was thinking of I think day six is what i shot the bear with two years ago yeah i hear those day six ones you really have to have your bow super tuned for them to shoot well that's but that was my experience if you have them super tuned like they're great yeah um uh, i've had a lot of luck too with uh slick trick those four bladed 100 grain magnums or whatever okay uh that's what i've killed i've killed more bears with those you know yeah and I had I, last year I shot one with that and it didn't even go twenty yards. Really? Yeah, he just went out there and started death moaning like a banshee. Yeah, like a, it's not that dramatic. I, <laughs> I'm embellishing, but well, it's a crazy sound. He so. was start he was starting to death moan. Man, it was a spiritual like. Whenever you have something that's uh, that you just 
shot and it goes out there and it starts making a sound yeah and it's like it's the sign that it's going to die like mm-hmm, right when they they don't death moan and move on you know mm-hmm. and so when they're out there and it's like it it's almost like one of those things like you know the native americans back in the day and probably other cultures too like they, they had that counting coup thing where they would go out and they would touch their enemies as they would pass on it's almost like that it's almost like there's an aspect of that bear that's touching touching me inside of that moment man, I teared up. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things because it's like uh, there was a guy that wrote a article in the magazine a couple years ago, and whenever he shot a, shot a bear, the, the title of the uh, article was called I Loved Him Like a Brother. And I was like, that really will hit home with a lot of guys that, you know, whenever you hear a, a, a bear moan, just think about that. And it's like, wow. oh, man, it's almost like there's a loss here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pumped, and it's great that it was over fast. And, yeah. You know, it's not like they're in pain. Like, they don't think, I don't think that's why they do it. But yeah. it's like they just start understanding this. Like, oh, yeah, this is this is done. I think a lot of times, I think it happens more often than not if it's a good lung hit. And mm-hmm. so it could even have something to do with them, like, trying to, like, breathe or something. I don't know. Right. But. And that makes sense with the bear being such a huge, majestic, just powerful animal that mm-hmm. Native Americans would have, have history with it. Yeah. Original settlers would have history with it. Mm-hmm. modern day bear hunters have, I mean, have like have that history with it. There's the, if you love it like a brother, you, you love it and you respect it, but you also understand conservationally why it's important, all that kind of stuff wrapped yeah. up to it. But at the end of the day, it's also, I mean, you're right. It's spiritual mm-hmm. and you're in the woods and it's a, it's a big critter. Yeah. And, and you just took steps and action to end its life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a respect there for sure. That yeah. I, I think as we probably, over analyze or, or just throw technology at everything you can kind of lose that but at the end of the day outdoorsmen are connected to the land like yeah. we all are every human being mm-hmm. ever and so that's there's some give and take there and yeah i've i've shot two bears and heard the death moan twice and have had similar reaction yeah. like man that's a kind of a big deal yeah <laughs> like that, man, there's something I, there i mean even whenever i kill a, a white tail even if it's a doe it's not like one of those things where i come up and it's like all right let's get to work it's mm-hmm. like Man, take it I, in. Yeah, yeah, you gotta take it in. You gotta pay your respects. Yeah. So. What it? There's that tension there a little bit of like respecting something so much, but then killing it, and then you. I think like I can understand some people who who have issue with that, right? Mm-hmm. They they're like, how can you love and respect this animal so much, but then <laughs> yeah. hunt and kill it? What would you it's say? Complex. To, what would you say to, to answer that, or someone <laughs> who's like asking you that question? Like, yeah. How, how can you do that? Man, I heard uh, I heard Ranella use something years ago whenever he was talking to somebody that, you know, was just talking to me about those things. Right. And I don't know, it was like just a Q&A or something. And he said that you have to look at it from the aspect of like, you have a tree and you have a forest, you know, and you can't focus so much. And I'm paraphrasing this, I'm probably getting it wrong. But <laughs> you, you can't look at the tree so much and lose the overall view of the forest, you know. And, you know, when you're taking – we can't – back in the day, like, you know, they like to use the – the argument that bears are self-sufficient or like self-balancing. Sure. You know, I mean, really, whenever we started taking out, you know, deforestation and all that and and the urban sprawl, critters can't just shift the way that they used to or balance out. Like you're, you're taking too much away for them. You too know, much too quickly. Too much too fast. I mean, maybe even like ever, I mean, they were designed to be able to use this total landscape. And now it's like, I mean, I don't know, it's crazy uh, to think that they can just um, balance things out when they're 
pushed into different zones and sectors, you know? Right. It's like, oh, well, they run too far this way. They're on a road, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so just overall thinking about that and conservation and, you just have to take animals, you know. And the other thing is, is knowing that, and this sounds counterintuitive, but really there's an aspect of doing that critter a favor by taking them out humanely and doing it fast and yeah. well, you know. That's like, what I think a lot of people don't think about is the flip side of it. If yeah. they die naturally, it's <laughs> which worse. I think is where you're going, right? It's a lot worse, man. Like some predator come and take them out, you know. Chew I mean, on them while they're still alive. Like, yeah, it's terrible. Way yeah, to go. man. Yeah, there's a lot of animals. Like, I used to think, like, man, if I were gonna get killed by something, what would I want it to be? It's not a bear, <laughs> 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 you know. Like, if I were gonna be killed by some wild animal, well, it's got to be one that's gonna like focus on the kill first. You Do know, it quick. Yeah, some sort of cat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a it is a tricky balance there, and and I yeah. think a lot of people like you get it. Even as someone who hunts and mm-hmm. and respects bears, you get it because you're like, yeah, it is totally there to be respected, and yeah. you have to appreciate the, what we have in that resource. Yeah. But I remember uh, Myron Means talking about as far as carrying capacity, we probably have more biological carrying capacity that we could keep more black bears in the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. However, we're we're pretty much at that line of like society uh, sociological caring capacity of like mm-hmm. at this point if bears were to continue to grow and we were were to stop hunting them you have those young boars pushing out finding their mm-hmm. new home range and mm-hmm. then now those are the ones you're seeing coming into town mm-hmm. eating people's dogs yeah just like causing chaos and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. and so that's like to your point we've pushed now our urban sprawl to these areas that they're they kind of have to like stay in this area. Yeah. So we have to like maintain and control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Myron kind of sam- summed it up as it's what the woods can handle and then what the public can handle. Right. Yeah. And the public can handle less in the woods at, <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah. Which I think is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think we want the population to grow too much more than, than it is, you know, and bears and Myron would be better about, you know, answering this question. But I mean, you have to take out a lot of bears to keep them just where they are, not to take away from them. Like, you have to kill a large percentage of the population to keep them from growing, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, like, bears really are something that needs to be hunted more um, just to keep them from, from like, exploding mm-hmm. in population. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And also, like, they can be, you know, they're hard on ungulates inside of the... I don't know that... I don't know as much here, but a, a lot of areas... Um, they're hard on the ungulate populations, you know. They really after fawns and calves whenever, mm-hmm. whenever that season comes, especially in the West. So yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot to, like you said, it is complex, and there's a lot to kind of mm-hmm. consider. And and considering where you're at and the population in the area you're hunting and, and all that to go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanna I wanna go into now. This is gonna be something that um will apply not to all. Um, bear hunters, but maybe just our Kansans. We we touched a little bit on baiting, but I want to go a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. Um, and in Missouri, you can't you can't bait for bears, right? Yeah. So this will just really apply to the our Kansans. But talk me through, like you said, it's not about exactly what, but it's about like how to think. Mm-hmm. But just talk me through like what process you go through with bear baiting, mm-hmm. why you pick when you go, and and you know where you set up and all with that. Baiting, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I'm trying to go the – so I go in the middle of the day 
to bait because I want them used to me coming in the middle of the day. I'm not going to go in and hunt early morning because I don't want to bump, you know, target bears off of a bait because they, a lot of times they're eating all night, you know. And so I'm going to. Just getting fat and happy. (laughs) Yeah, and and sassy. Um, (laughs) And so I'm going to go in there early afternoon and just sit till dark. And I'll sit, you know, I'll just sit till dark because a lot of times those, there's this thing I say is it's bare 30, you know, and it's like the last, especially like the last 30 minutes of daylight seems to be just like the time that these shadows emerge from mm-hmm. the forest, you know. And uh, if my trail cam camera is like hold true, I'm not going to experience that this year, hopefully. Yeah. But typically um, those bigger boars are coming in, you know, into daylight and a lot of them. So I would say that's one thing that a lot of people that bait make a mistake in and you'll kill kill bears early morning but it's going to typically be more juvenile males you know there's always exceptions to the rule but you really want to go in the middle of the day and then you want to sit until until dusk dark so you so you really start your hunt like weeks prior because you're patterning them Mm -hmm. you're getting them used to you coming in in the middle of the day and then Mm -hmm. you're talking about once you finally go to hunt you're you're still going in the same time and then sitting to the mm-hmm, dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they're used to associating me coming in with fresh food, you know, like the bait being freshened up. And they're used to smelling me, you know, during that time. Yeah. And so I'm spending time to condition these bears. Uh, this year, one of the things that that is cool about the area I'm hunting is there's this massive drop-off behind like a sheer like 50 plus foot drop behind probably 15 yards behind where the stand is going to be. And, uh, that's going to make it to where they can't circle around us, you know? So like if you can find a feature to where it makes it to where they can't do what they want, because mm-hmm. a bear will always love to come in from downwind. Sure. They want to, they don't want surprises. They want to know what's on that bait, who's there, you know? And in, in Canada, a lot of times you'll have bears come in, big bears, knowing you're there, like they'll look at you. Yeah. And they just don't care because they're not in, they're not around a lot of people. And, you know, for whatever reason, like they just don't care. Yeah. It's not really the case here, you know? And you can, I, we don't worry about scent control because you're never going to fool a, a bear's nose. It's just too good. Yeah. 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 They can smell dead stuff from a mile away. Like you're not going to fool their, their nose. If you, if you take a European mount of a deer versus a bear, like, uh, well, not on this one, but um, there's fine bones through their nasal cavities, and you can just you can tell how well a, a critter can smell stuff based upon that lattice work. Mm. And a bear's olfactory system is astoundingly strong. I mean, several times stronger than even a bloodhound, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, you're not going <laughs> to fool their nose. <laughs> so just don't try. Yeah, it. I've I've it's heard it. Happen. I've heard it said that. A bear comes into a room and like if we came in the room, we'll be like, oh, well, you're cooking spaghetti. Yeah. And a bear will come in and they'll smell the individual things that are inside of that spaghetti, you oh. know, or whatever. You got a little basil. You got a little <laughs> yeah. thyme. In Is there. that basil? <laughs> um, and uh, so they'll they'll pick apart everything. So, I mean, like, yeah, scent controls. I remember Myron telling us and it, it may have been when we went with him in the spring. But it, it made sense as when we were baiting the year before why our strategy worked. And we didn't know what we were doing. We were just guessing mm-hmm. at it. But I remember it was hot. We were putting up the barrels, trucking in food. And I had a, we had a bunch of people out there. 
And my dad was like, what about scent control? And I was like, we're not, it's not going to matter. Like we're mm-hmm. just going to smell. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to do it and see what happens. We, like, like I said, didn't know what we were doing. But then we were talking to Myron about it, and he was saying, a bear's nose is so good that it can smell where you previously stepped and and determine how old that scent is. So it mm-hmm. can go like, oh, yeah, he he stepped here four hours ago or two hours ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like you said, you're conditioning him, mm-hmm. them to that smell, which is just insane. But it also makes sense why you then get in your stand at noon and then yeah. sit there. If they're going to smell something on the mm-hmm. ground, they're thinking, well, he left me some... Some yeah. fresh bait, some fresh food, and I guess yeah. he's not here he anymore. He was here. Yeah. He was here. Yeah. And I mean, I if know. I was going to go spot and stock, I wouldn't do that. I would just go, yeah. you know. I mean, I think that if you were going to sit over a water hole or something or you had a good indicator where one might be, you might try to slip in there early. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather be able to see, you know. I have hunted a bait in the morning, but it was one of those instances the wind was right and the bait was on the edge of a field and I was able to glass and I – saw a bear there at daylight and I waited for that bear to leave and then I went and sat in there, Mm, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you can do that, but the idea of and the way to think about it is you don't want to bump a bait off of, a bear off of something that it's comfortable in, you know, something that it feels secure in and knows, Mm -hmm. like, this is the place that I want to be. Yeah. And so you don't want to put something in there. I mean, I think even, even with scent control, I mean, like, that's instituting a new scent that they don't know and it doesn't smell like it's something they want to eat right you know so like why use it <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense yeah what about um i know you said it's not about what but what are you using like what what do you bait with what's a good yeah. bear bait for those arcs so we like to use variety so i'm always keeping something you know i'm trying to instant like put in something that's a surprise every time just for like the ones that that come in so mm-hmm. uh i went and bought a lot of bait from uh, the Elkins co-op and uh, I just got a variety. Like I took contractor bags and I got like 50 pounds of, of each thing or, or more. And so the first time I used like a chocolatey trail mix. And then the next time I went, I put out granola. And then the next time I went, I put out, uh, Oh, what did I put out? Well, something different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's not something that's super strategic. It's just, Oh, Pop Tarts. Pop Tarts. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Something different every time to keep them guessing or yeah. keep them interested. I guess. Yeah, I mean, bears are very curious, curious creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you just don't want them to get bored. Yeah, basically. And, so. and with with the mix of it too, you mentioned earlier Northwoods. You mentioned putting mm-hmm. some uh, grease in there. Why? Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Kind of talk through some of that. So I never do a bait without putting fryer grease with some with a well Northwoods, but it's a it's a commercial scent additive that's super sweet and it smells amazing. Like baiting bears, if you if you started eating, um, if you like smell stuff and you just start eating, like baiting bears is not for you because <laughs> you you wouldn't be able to make it up the mountain by the end of the season. I mean, I sometimes I pick up donuts. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, this smells so good. <laughs> like, it's not gonna make it yeah. to the site. <laughs> yeah, this time that was the new thing was donuts. But uh, yeah, I just like to change it up, and keep them guessing, keep them excited. You know, there's some staples, and um, I find it it seems like they really like protein. You know, like I, we feed cheap dog food and just soak it in that fryer grease too. And so just like, I mean, typically I'll put out like maybe two gallons of fryer grease with some of that Northwoods in it. And it only takes like a cap of it to really smell it. And then I, yeah. they have separate spray bottles that, uh, that I get. 
and I'll, I'll spray it far off of the bait and spray it up in the trees and get it as high as I can to, cause you, you know, they trust their nose more than anything. So I'm trying to get that scent out as far as it mm. can, as I can. So I don't want, uh, I just want to broadcast it the best, the best I can. I want someone to walk up and before they see it, be able to smell it with their nose, mm. you know, basically. A person. Yeah, a yeah. person. And so, I mean, really like that. I think that's a good strategy to do. Uh, dog food something that I, that we keep in there consistently. Yeah. And uh, don't don't stray away from. And then um, we can, in zone one, we can start using corn uh, this Friday. So September 1st. Yeah. And because uh, we're in a CWD zone. And so we'll start using corn too. And basically the thought process is I want to put good things in there that the bears want. But then I also want some sort of staple that I can keep in there. Because yeah. the last thing I want is for a bear to come to there and not have anything to pick up, you know. I never want them to come there and and think that they're not going to get an easy snack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll set up a roller barrel. So just 55-gallon drum, fill it with corn. And, you know, sometimes you can mix other stuff in there. Yeah. And then uh, – drill out a few small holes on the bottom where they have to bat it around and fight it, okay. you know, to make it drop out. You just, like, tie it to a tree? Mm-hmm. Like chain with a chain With a chain, or yeah, yeah. Cool. And then we make it where you can't, they can't knock it all the way down, so they're just, like, always having to roll it to yeah. make something come out. Yeah. Yeah. And so it kind of sounds like you have, like, you have some kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, some special stuff, and then you have, like, your filler. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, volume, it's pounds, it's it's dog food, and it's mm-hmm. just a bulk. It's a lot. And yeah. then you also have the other stuff that's, like, mm-hmm. sweet, and it's kind of special, and it's mm-hmm. probably more expensive to get for yeah. the guy who's actually hunting yeah. and, like, harder to find. And then we're pumping up the caloric density with the grease. Uh, the other thing is is when you mix that commercial scent with the grease, that scent sticks to stuff. And so you also want the bear to broadcast what where the food is. Yeah. And so those bears will walk through the bait after they pull it out of these whatever, and they'll get that north woods with that grease on the pads of their, of their feet, and they'll track it everywhere that they go. Yeah. And so basically we're sending out heraldic bears to the mountain saying, <laughs> like, <laughs> here's the way to the gold. There's food <laughs> over the gold I follow my footprints backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that helps too. Like, really, you want to do things that broadcast that scent and let the bears know that they're going to be, that there's a, there's the holy grail. Yeah. And they need to find it, yeah. you know. What about, like, um, I'm thinking proteins, and um, you mentioned um, dog food, but, like, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, sardines fish mm-hmm. stuff that's smelly do you put that stuff out yeah just make sure it's like something that's stabilized where it's not gonna go bad won't spoil yeah yeah they don't like spoiled meat at least from the experience everything i've heard they don't like spoiled meat here um further up north it's more of a thing like whenever you have harsher winters and stuff i think they eat a lot more of that kind of thing like there's mm-hmm. some outfitters in canada that will bait beavers throughout the year and then they'll you know, put beaver carcasses out there and the bears will sometimes go for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is you never know what a particular bear is wanting. And so I think variety is good for that too. Uh, in Canada, we'll hunt and uh, sometimes they'll just have a barrel of just straight corn and then they'll have uh, like a 55-gallon drum with nothing in it. And then they'll have a 35-gallon drum full of bacon grease and some bears come in, they don't care about the grease. And some bears come in, and that's all they care about is mm. the grease. Yeah. 
And so you just don't know what what it is a particular bear is after. Right. And so I think variety is key just so that they can find something that they like, you mm. know. It's kind of like you want to set up a buffet. You don't want to be like, hey, we cook this one thing. Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah. So you don't want to specialize. We got boiled chicken tonight. Yeah. No one's hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, something for my my Missouri boys up north who they're not baiting. Mm-hmm. Talk me through spot and stock. If if yeah. I'm a Missouri boy and I'm up in a stand and I see a bear walking through and I'm not over bait, mm-hmm. what are my odds? Am I climbing down? Is it spot and stock or mm-hmm. <laughs> am I saying, "Hey, bear, come here"? Like, <laughs> what what's the plan? Check the wind. You know, the other thing is, if a bear is really honed into a food source. They, they don't use their ears as much as a whitetail does. They're not a prey animal, you know. Their nose is, is really king. So, uh, I mean, if you're in leaves, like I would take my shoot, my boots off and try to be as, like, slow as possible, you know, toe first and kind of, like, ease it back onto the heel. Um, but, yeah, you just, just look at what they're doing. And uh, the, other, the other aspect of that is uh, – a more juvenile bear will move a lot. You know, a larger bear will meander. And so you might not have much time to make a move, but, you you know, with a smaller bear, a larger bear will typically, like, hone in on food and just, like, stay still. A more juvenile, smaller bear, a lot of times they'll, you know, move around a lot more. Right. So, but that could also be a good option to, like, if they're moving a lot, they're making a lot of noise. You know, you just really have to take into account a lot of things. Right. So, uh, yeah. Just be the best hunter you can be and think about the win, play it right, read the bear. And sometimes you got to have losses before you can have a win. Yeah. You <laughs> know? Makes the win's fun. Yeah. Get get lucky sometimes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, we always, as far as shot placement, we always say middle of the middle and forward just a little. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. So, like, a bear's organs are situated a little further back than a whitetail so and you want to stay away from that shoulder at all costs because it is tough mm. you know um that's where that uh that mechanical <laughs> broadhead a fixed blade will might not punch through well a fixed blade won't a lot of times oh, like really? they're just tough it's man. just that tough well i mean if you think about the way that they're built they're kind of like especially a boar he's super solid you got all this thick dense muscle You've got uh, the hair. You've got, like, thick fat. I mean, like, if there was anything that was a target to stop broadheads, it would be that front shoulder on a bear. And so you want to stay away from that. And um, basically, if you you think about just the body, you're not thinking about the legs or the head, and tail to the base of the neck, cut that in half, and then bottom of the gut to the back, of, you know, the top back, and cut that in half. And you want to come forward a couple of inches. And basically you just want, you really want to get lungs and maybe get up closer to the heart. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't want to hit that shoulder uh, at all. Yeah. And you really don't want to shoot at it like a whitetail. You're not going to like where that, I don't it's not a shoulder, but the elbow joint kind of meets the bottom of the stomach and you're Mm -hmm. looking for that little triangle. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just shoulder territory. Shoulder territory, you're just hitting fat. You're not going to punch through. You're just hitting ribs. Yeah, you're not going to punch through. I mean, a bear is very soft, and it doesn't take a lot of, like, I mean, people kill bears, like, with 45, 50-pound bows. Like, you don't have to have a heavy arrow. You don't have to have a 
long draw, heavy draw, like they're soft if you hit them in the right spot. Yeah. But if you hit them in the wrong spot, I don't even know if Cam Haynes' bow could could <laughs> knock through, through that, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be cautious. And you want to try to get a blood trail as best as possible, you know. Yeah, talk um, to us a little bit about tracking. Yeah. So maybe you hear the moan, <laughs> maybe you don't. If you hear the moan, you're in the chips, call your buddies, you know. <laughs> uh, this And I've had my bear last year moaned like, I think it was like nine times. It was mm. pretty wild. Wow. This year, I heard my bear do a like a half of a bear moan. Like I just heard, Ooh, you know. Wow. Um, so it's yeah. <laughs> if you hear the moan, you're you're in, you're good. You're in the chips. Mm-hmm. You know, like seriously, call your buddies. You don't even have to go find it. You like go get the cart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll find it later. Yeah. Um, if uh, if you don't hear that moan, um. It doesn't mean that the bear didn't die like they don't all moan. I mean, it's probably more common that they don't than they do. Uh, I would go find your arrow and make sure, you know, see the, the what happened. If you smell your arrow and it smells like, uh, like guts, mm-hmm. don't go after that bear for a while. Like, give it overnight, you know. Because a bear, a bear hitting the gut won't go far if you don't pressure it, mm-hmm. you know, and they will die. Um, my first bear, uh, I, sh- I got in my shot cycle and then he moved and it was a straight up gut shot. I was middle on vertically, but I hit far back. And uh, man, I mean, we had a sparse blood trail the next morning, but we were able to go out there and recover it. Wow. He had only gone like 100 yards. You know, uh, the other thing is, is if you have an arrow come out that looks super clean, but you feel like you made a good shot, you probably did. Like their, their fur will clean an arrow. Mm. So like I, the bear I got a few years back here in Arkansas, but down the Washita's, it was, it looked like that arrow just came out of my quiver. Like it was just clean. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that high, I mean that, uh, that fur just cleaned it off. So, um, you know, you really need to be competent and know what it is you're doing and focus more on your shot and not um, not everything else. You know, like if you can get fixed in, like pick your shot where you want to hit and then focus on the flight of the arrow uh, and where you hit, that'll do you a lot more good than, yeah. than anything. And then, you know, pay attention to where the bear runs and stuff and see what you can tell. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if it's a gut shot, don't give up hope. If the arrow is clean, but you just know that it hit where you think it hit. Uh, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, is uh, well, no, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I was going to ask you next on, um, okay, so you got I was bear. just going to say sometimes bears will try to plug up their holes. Um, oh, really? It, I've heard this from several people and enough to where I'm like believing it and yeah. I've kind of seen a scenario where I think it might have happened with the bear I shot. Wow. And uh, they say that a bear will try to try to plug up their holes with uh, leaves and mud. Wow. Uh, if they if they can reach it. And so that's another good reason for like, you know, keeping it mm-hmm. in between the middle of the middle and the shoulder. Yeah. Put it where they where they can't, can't come reach. Out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of don't like to talk about that sometimes because it's kind of like more human, <laughs> you know. And it, it's it not crazy. It's not verified. Hear that? That's yeah. 
that's one of those things that might be true. It mm-hmm. kind of exists as a wives' tale, but could be something could to be. it. It sounds, it sounds to me to like somebody made a bad shot and they're trying to figure out how to cover their butt. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. We we had the bear that I that I shot. It laid down, and there was just this like we tracked it a little bit, and then we just found this just blood everywhere, and it was like a it looked like the nest of a, of something, you yeah. know, just big blood everywhere like something had been laying there rolling around something's been going on and uh we found that like three times the first time we found it we we're like oh yeah we're in the like yeah. this is it yeah like we're just gonna find this bear a couple yards up here right and that happened like three times and maybe we should back out yeah, yeah <laughs> give seriously. it some more time yeah you start second guessing yeah we eventually f- found the bear and i mean it's hard to tell if those things are true Right. Um, the other thing, if it like out west, uh, there's a guy that shot a bear and or shot at a bear, and we're not completely sure he hit it. We think he might have just like nicked it, and it just rolled down the down the mountain, and then it went off. And uh, bears will roll, like voluntarily roll at hmm. times too. So. I've read that in books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real books. <laughs> yeah, and over in, like, ha- hound guys back in the day talked about about a bear to get, you know, to get away from pursuing dogs. We'll just, like, roll up like a cannonball and bell just off down off, the mountain. Yeah. Roll down the mountain. They're that's so crazy. tough. They're so tough. Yeah. Yeah. Golly, that's wild. Did you want to ask about once you yeah, say once get you, the bear? Once you got the bear. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the next steps? I, I know people talk about how... The bear will spoil quicker than a deer or all that kind of stuff. And so is it... Man, it's just like a whitetail. You just, you know, you want to... Well, just like anything, you want to make sure that you have airflow into the bodily cavity. Just cool it off as quickly as possible. Um, and then it's just like a deer except for you have pads mm-hmm. instead of instead of hooves. Mm-hmm. And so... But it's tough because usually early season it's hot. Yeah. It's sweaty. Man, they, they can go a lot longer than you think they can. You know, it's mo- mainly about airflow and shade. Um, I mean, those guys out west, like a lot of times you're hunting bears and it's just as hot as it's going to be here for the opener. So that, you know, that 80s, 90s, whatever. I mean, you, you'd be okay as long as you get the hide off of the off of the meat as soon as you can and, and then just uh, get the guts out. Just... Airflow is your friend and, mm-hmm. and uh, shade, you know. So, I mean, I would take my game bags even. I mean, just get them in game bags and get them hanging, you know. Yeah. And that fat's going to can spoil faster than a lot of things too. Okay. You know, like that, I think that's the thing that's a little different is you want to make sure you get the fat, off, as much fat off of everything as possible, separate it all out. Mm-hmm. And do you, when you say get the fat off, are you – are you leaving it on the hide so you can get it later as much on the hide or you try to get as much off the hide onto the meat so you can pack it out that way? I mean, I would get as much off of the hide as possible because you don't want your hide to slip, Yeah, you know, or anything to happen with it. And you want to lay the hide out, um, the fat side out. Okay. And just let it, let it cool off. And then, uh, but I mean, you just most of the time we'll try to get the fat by itself. So yeah, we're not gonna go so close to the hide that we're going to damage it. Like we don't want a chance cutting through the hide. Right. You know, a lot. Yeah. I mean, a taxidermist, it's easy to sew those things up, but you just you know want to be careful. Yeah. And then, uh, 
you know, from there, just separate everything out. You know, we typically keep the fat in a separate bag than everything else. And bear fat can can spoil inside of a freezer. So whenever you, you want to render it, you know, within a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. It could be months, but you don't want to leave it in there a year and then okay. go back and try to render it. You know, you want to do it pretty quick. What is the... Um Kyle, when you shot your bear a couple years ago, there was that like webbing of fat, uh, maybe on the abdomen or the torso that we took out. And I've heard people will cook with that. Like they'll wrap like a deer steak in it or venison. Do you know what I'm talking about? That man, that's Renella stuff. Is it? Okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I've never used that, but I've seen, like, I really have seen Renella do that with the yeah. same thing out of a deer okay. where he'll wrap it and like make some sort of a meatball and. And uh, wrap it in that lattice work. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the name for it. I don't remember anymore. Man. I remember saving it. We I took a picture with it. Yeah. The name it cool. of it. I haven't, I haven't tried anything like that. Man, I'm going to try to go back and find the name. Um, yeah. It actually, I mean, I would eat it. It looks good. But mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm going to go as far as trying to save that for a single dish. It's just so <laughs> cool. Like you open it, it up and cool. it's so intricate. And it looks yeah. like a spider web in there of fat. And the, the way that it's all yeah. lattice work, like you said, is a yeah. good way to describe it. I yeah. Cool. I, uh. I focus on the the quarters and the the hide. You have so much going on on a bear, and so much you're going to pull out mm-hmm. that some things just go to the wayside, you know. And as a you know, bear hunters have a lot of utility in what they're what they're hunting, mm-hmm. and a yeah. lot of things that we use it for just as just a way of life. Not even like, oh, it'd be cool if I did this or that. It's just like the way that you do it. Yeah. And so uh, that's just something that's like, man, when you gotten everything broken down and you know what's ahead of you it's like is that important to me <laughs> and if i haven't had any experience with it i don't think it's that important to you yeah know? sure and uh and so i think that it's cool to utilize things like that but it's not for me i will say a bare heart is one of the best things i've ever had mm. up in canada that we we uh got there during the morel season oh, and so okay. we cooked bear heart with morels come on man oh man <laughs> it was the, one of the best things i've ever put oh, that sounds out. amazing yeah i will say this year and since this is the ozark podcast in arkansas you're supposed to you have to submit a first sample with your premolar so yeah check the wrecks oh that's new this year yeah okay yeah Good to know. I didn't know they had the first sample. Good to know. Glad you told us. Brand mm-hmm. new. Yeah. I'm here for you guys. Man, you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. You're a good guy. So it's hot. You got it filled dressed, got mm-hmm. skin off, fat off, mm-hmm. breaking it down. You're trying to do that all within that evening, that night? Cause it's Yeah, I'm not going to leave it overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can use your best judgment. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the only time I would is if I shot this bear in like November yeah. and it's cold. I mean, even yeah. with that... I would gut and get the hide off. For sure. Because they're so insulated, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't leave a bear overnight unless it was for ethical reasons or recovery reasons. Right. You know, and uh, we had to with my first bear. And we pulled some fat off and it seemed okay, but the meat, we were like, I don't know. And it was supposed to be in the 40s that night. Mm. And... uh yeah, we didn't feel safe pulling it pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be as apt to leave it out there as I would a deer. Right. At the For same sure. temperature. Yeah. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. sense. The name of that fat is called call fat, by the way. That's C A U L. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. Um, That's what it is. All right. I'm going to ask you one last question just to kind of wrap up the episode. 
to get people hyped up if they're listening to this on the way to the stand, favorite all-time bear hunting story for you? Go. Hmm. I don't know, man. Or just favorite hunt experience, even if you didn't kill a bear. Like, what was just your, what kind of sticks out in your mind? It's like, man, that was so cool that I got to be there in that moment. So on my hunt this year and up in Canada, it was cool because uh, I had five bears there at one time. Like one of them was up in the tree. And uh, the bear that I shot came out with his buddy. It's like they were like, you know, twin powering out there, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, it was just such a beautiful bear. as a cinnamon with a big old blaze on his chest. And uh, I ended up taking him. And then not even five minutes later, the biggest bear I've seen whenever I was in the stand came up. No way. And he was a dark chocolate boar came up to the base of my tree and looked up at me and then just meandered off. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah, I've got it on my Instagram, I think. Uh, but it uh, that was a cool experience just to see, like, a big old pumpkin head, block-headed, you know, just there. there's some, there's some critters that come out and you just, like, just like you're special. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh. He didn't have to say it, but whatever his name is, I put some respect on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's I, uh, cool. I got a ton of hunting stories, but none of the other ones are coming to me right now. Yeah. To lock eyes with a bear, too, is something pretty oh, cool. Oh, man, locked on. The year before, I was hunt, hunting up in Canada, and uh, a sow was in and out constantly all day, and she just came. She was so comfortable with me there. Like, I didn't know she was there, and all of a sudden, I felt the tree stand shaking. And she had climbed a few a few steps up the tree stand, oh, and man. Le- and then she leaned up against the tree like beside us, and was like shaking on that tree, <laughs> no like way. yeah, like getting a good back scratch, getting a good scratch. That's yeah. amazing. And then later, I had a uh, so I don't hunt hunt up there without a thermosel, and I had dropped my wrapper to my cartridge, and I was like, oh man, I got to remember to grab that when I get down. And at the end of the day. That bear came and she laid on a on a log to the left of me about seven yards, and uh, like she was just napping. And then she like, you know, kind of sat on her butt and just started grooming herself. And I was like, she is way too comfortable with me here. <laughs> and then she went back and she found that foil from that that refill, and she flipped over on her back and she was batting at it with her with her paws. And I was no like, way. this is like the coolest. Yeah, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I was felt so connected to that bear. Yeah. I was like, I don't care how big a bear comes in here. I don't care if it's a dink. If it comes and messes with her, yeah. it's going down. I got your back. I got, <laughs> I your got back, you, girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so cool. Well, man, I'm sure you got to just have a lot of time around bears and getting to see them yeah. interact and, and, and you interacting with them too. Yeah. I'm sure it's just pretty cool. Man, and, one broke into the truck the other day. I had to chase off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, you got to tell that story before we go. Yeah. Well, I uh, so I had a buddy that that helped me bait, wanted to help me bait, and he had never seen a bear. And I was like, all right, well, if you're going to get an opportunity to see one, like this would probably be the best opportunity. And uh, his name just happens to be Colby and starts with a K, too. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's like us. We got the same. Yeah. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, when Ks get together, things happen. Yeah, K, man. too. Uh, anyways, uh, so I was like, well, before we, before we make a lot of racket and load up, let's just walk down and look off of the cliff. And, you know, we'll probably be able to see if there's anything down there making its way to or from. 
And we, we were walking down there and then I saw a bear moving and it took off. And so, hey, man, you saw your bear. Like, we thought, hey, that's yeah. worth the trip. It's a good day. We go back to the truck and we're loading up and I, I have my, my pack ready, my frame pack, and I, I turn around to put it on and there's a bear 40 yards working its way up the same trail we just came, came out of. And so, hey, man, look, it's a bear. And at that point in time, I'm like, I don't know how he doesn't know we're here. Like, he's got to know. But yeah. he, he didn't smell the bait. The wind was in our face. I, I don't know what's going on here. And uh, so I start talking to him and talking to the bear, you know, just let him know he, I know he's there. And then he crescents around us, and he sits down at, at a tree that splits at, like, 15 yards to our left. And uh, we're at the truck. We're not at the bait station. Like, we're, we're at the truck. We're all the way back. Yeah. yeah, it's like, what are you doing up here? And uh, and so he just sits there. He starts, like, licking himself. He starts, like, scratching. He's just chilling like he like he doesn't care. And I told him, I was like, man, this bear is going to break into my truck if we don't run it off. And uh, so I I go to run it off when I'm like, all right, that's enough. And the, it it bluff charges me. And, I mean, like, from 15 yards, he came, like, two yards. But still, it's like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so I get the bear spray just because I was like, well, this is just weird. So at this point, like a bear that sticks close to a bait when you're baiting it happens, but it's like, we're at the truck. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't Doesn't his, the bait's this there. isn't his domain. This isn't where he's safe. And so I, uh, I get the bear spray and then I was like, well, I just need to, he's not wanting to give up any ground and I don't want to force the issue. So I just grabbed a rock and threw it and then he kind of flinched. And so I was like, all right, there's my opportunity. And then I start pushing towards him and he just runs off. I'm like, cool. And I was like, I'm still locking the truck. Yeah. So, and I've got a bed cap on my truck. So where all the bait is. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so I closed the bed cap. I closed both knobs. I locked the driver's side when I was like, surely that's enough. And yeah. I locked the truck. Yeah. And then we're off to the races. You know, we go bait the first trip. We come back to get the second round. And uh, the bed cap is open. I'm like, what? no, come on. It was no locked. Way. Yeah. So we go up there, and uh, sure enough, there was a bag of dog food missing. And uh, m my buddy looks, he's like, oh, I see him over there. And he was probably like 80, 100 yards through the woods. And uh, we were just lucky to see him. Like We saw like a just little black patch. Yeah. And so I was like, He's not getting away with my dog food, so I take off after him. <laughs> and then uh, he doesn't you know what's going on. He, he runs <laughs> off. And uh, so I get my uh, I get it back. And, man, it was just covered in seed ticks where he had laid on it. Oh. Yeah. Oof. Just all over, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I got it back. I You know, the thing is, it's like <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, that, that 50 pounds of dog food wasn't a big deal. But I don't want that bear associating – the fact that he can just like take something from me and it's okay. Yeah. You know, like uh we were close to a uh a cabin off grid cabin out there too and and uh the guy's kids and they them go out there and just like I don't want him to have to come here and like this bear just learns that he can take what he wants mm -hmm. and get away with it. Or he goes to somebody else's house it's like, man, I'm gonna haze this bear a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I just I ran at him and took it and then I just like kept pushing him a little bit and then he finally like left and didn't come back and he had after further investigation he had it's like he knew what knobs did he had he had there was like a single scratch 
where he had opened up the passenger side lock on my on my bed cap. And then there was a bunch of scratches around the one that I locked. And then he just brute forced it open like it was kind of bent out in the middle. Yeah. And uh, wow. grabbed that dog food. And then there's scratches around the driver's side door handle where oh, he was trying man. to open up the door handle. Yeah. This dude's a bad man with jamma. He's yeah. trying to get in your truck. Yeah. That's crazy, He's dude. a juvenile male. Like, uh, I mean, maybe he'll grow out of it. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's the same bear I pushed off the bait today, like, I think we pushed him off three times. So Man, that is crazy. It sounds like he's too brave for his own good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a little brazen. You he's took a back brazen. a bag of dog food from a bear. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, that's a, that's a great story and I think a good way to, to wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, have enjoyed hanging out with you and just hearing your story and, and hearing about bear hunting tactics from yeah. you. Um, hopefully our listeners can take this into the woods with them um, today as they're listening to this episode and, <laughs> yeah. and going forward. And um, but we just really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle Squared. Kyle yes, Squared. That makes it easy. <laughs> to our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you let us know by leaving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, share it with a buddy. We'll see you on the next one. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkins. And, of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com.